This episode was a lot of fun. It was a little bit of a shorter one. You know, it's the, the Thanksgiving week. We uh, we had a rec climb. We were setting up a little mini competition with some friends that we were doing at the park. So we were we were pretty busy with some tree climbing stuff that wasn't involving a microphone. But uh, me and Jamie sat down for a little bit and had a conversation and had a blast. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. It's very fitting it's the Thanksgiving weekend because I just want to say thank you to everybody that's listened. It's awesome to get the feedback and just to kind of get the support from the community. You know, huge shout out to people that have donated money. You know, that keeps us going. It, It really keeps this show going, getting the support, whether it's the money or just the kudos, getting emails from people it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's really kind of humbling that you guys enjoy the show so much so thank you so much for tuning in without further ado going to take care of some business and then we'll get right to it this podcast is for informational purposes only it is not nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional arboriculture advice and should never be relied upon to perform or direct arboricultural work the tree thinking podcast makes no representations as to the accuracy completeness or suitability of any information on this podcast and will not be liable for any damages arising from the use of any information in the practice of arboriculture or tree work the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent the podcast and its hosts are not to be held responsible for misuse cited and or unsighted copies of the content within this podcast by others the tree thinking podcast may not be reproduced or distributed without the express written consent of the tree thinking podcast what happens when you get a couple tree nerds no outline and just hit record well we talk climbing rigging and some stories from the field on this episode of the tree thinking podcast Andrew and Jamie chop it up on an impromptu episode on Double Ropes and Rigging Tricks. All right, we're uh, <laughs> after dark. I was just talking about a black oak removal <clears throat> that I did recently. It wasn't a very big tree, but it was fair, It was pretty technical because of how the tree was shaped. It like six feet off the ground it just took like a 90 degree turn basically you know yeah it wasn't a sharp angle obviously but yeah this nice bow just 90 degrees and then over over a little tiny house and then and then up a little bit so there's really no tying into that tree at all if you're going to work it yeah but luckily there was a ponderosa toward the tip of the tree kind of maybe like you know 15 feet to to the side of it and then a white oak kind of similar similarly distanced behind it so i used tie-ins in both of those trees to work it and i had rigging set up in the pine so the pines at the front of it we've established that and my plan was to tip tie pieces over to the pine okay so all this is over that house right yeah but it was like I call them fun size removals where it's not that big where you're dealing with like big ass wood, but it's like technical and fun. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, like, you know, it's not going to be a big two day project. No. So you can just have fun with a real quick one. I looked at it the day before it was like an add on and I was excited about it. I was like, Oh, I can't wait to come back and do this. (laughs) That's the best. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So 
why uh, what I was excited to tell you about was uh we were talking two ropes, right? Yeah, so two ropes. Um we were talking about climbing with two ropes and when it makes sense. Um for me, I only do it when it makes sense, you know. Yeah. But it can totally help you. It was uh I was just listening to the Kevin Bingham uh climbing arborist podcast and he was talking about that how there's the you know these little things that you don't really think about getting into it but how it'll help you move across trees and you know these uh it just changes your climbing style matter of fact tomorrow we're doing a job with some it's like these two white oaks that are right next to each other and it's going to be the perfect job i think to try two single ropes awesome yeah because it's really widespread and there's a couple different, you know, because it's two trees, there's a couple different trunks. So I think having a line from each tree, uh, so as you move around, you're bringing both of those. So you're always tied in twice. You know, I mean, that's the way a lot of people say the industry's going. Yeah. Uh, and then it'll help you go from one tree to another also. Sweet. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. But yeah, with with this job, so the, the tie-in that was in the pine was going to help me get to the tips. But at a certain point with the way the tree was angled, if if that was my only tie-in, and, you know, that happens all the time where you just don't have options, but I was lucky to have options. <clears throat> so at a certain point, once I start removing the tree, that tie-in is going to be pulling me away and off the tree, and it's just going to be terribly awkward. So then I can totally switch. And throughout the climb, I was ditching that tie-in. Interesting. So the pine tie-in, I was like, okay, I'm here now. I can... I'm comfortable. I'm lanyarded in. I'm in my oak tie-in. I can get rid of this while I cut this piece because it was it was where I'm rigging to, so it was kind of in the way at points. But then they yeah. send it back up to me, and I can move over here. Yeah, it, it was pretty cool, and that can be said on climbing a a tree with two ropes, like getting to a redirect, staying tied in, and like pulling one system off, passing it over your redirect tensioning that you know sitting into that and then passing your other one over like you're never just lanyarded into this weird lead that yeah. you're redirecting on yeah and there's ways to get around that with with one line I, I did a post a long time ago where i tied a prusik above the system and it went back to my harness yeah so that way i could completely slack my system while still being tensioned in my tying point and then pass it around a limb clip back into it Tighten that up, loosen that prusik. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's something. If you're climbing with two ropes, that could be beneficial. But, man, it would suck if it was required and you had to yeah. carry two well, ropes around with you all the time. And that's what I'd worry about, that they wouldn't, uh, you know, it's hard to say, all right, do two ropes when it makes sense because that's different for everybody. So they just say you always have to have two ropes. Yeah. And that's where it's like, when the rules start making it harder unnecessarily, that's when it becomes an issue. But it's because they're trying to make a rule for such a large amount of different ways of doing the job. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I just want to get used to it because I think you get a lot from just trying different stuff to learning, you know, learning the things you don't know you're going to learn along the way. Yeah. I mean, this was probably two three years ago because like kevin bingham and jeff inman and rich hattier like all those guys were i think it was like right when it was standardized in europe or wherever it is 
across the pond where, is, yeah, where you got to do that. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure but either. Somewhere over there, you have to have two ropes. And so people here started playing around with it. Yeah. And when I first started hearing about it, I was like, cool, I should try it. Like, just try it, you know, kind of get ready for what's coming. And our conversation tonight is making me think like, yeah, if there's a tree where it's not necessary, maybe I should just try it. Yeah. Or if you got, you know, a situation where it makes sense and maybe there's not this huge production rush. Yeah. You know, like tomorrow, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to crush that job, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, and so we'll have that flexibility within the schedule they're like, uh, yeah, let's take the time and set another line. Yeah. You know. And, I mean, if you're, I mean, it doesn't take much more time to set a second line if you just pull two ropes over your crotch. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that they were talking about is having setting two lines from separate tie-in points. Mm-hmm. That way, if you have one failure, it's not both of them failing. Oh, you, is that the standard across? I don't know if it's the standard or not, but. That's what it sounded like. That's how I was interpreting what I was listening to them talk about. But you could probably just like double bag, get a second crotch. Hundred <clears throat> percent that work. Well, I mean, then, it it depends on this. But if you, yeah, yeah, if you get, so you could pull, yeah, double bag. Oh yeah, it all depends on the throw ball shot you get. If you could get a throw ball shot to go over two good tying points, then you could just run that other bag up the middle, drop it down the middle and boom, you got two tying points that are both directed to the same spot. Yeah. I I mean, back when we were doing the rescue rally, that was your favorite trick. The double bags. Yeah. The double bag still is. Yeah. I do it like every day. Yeah. And it might be a essential or not essential, but, it might be extremely useful with the two tie-ins because yeah. if you can get that shot, then you're setting two tie-ins ends off of one shot. And that's one of the places where I picture it kind of holding you up Yeah, is, you know, throw ball is one of those things that people get frustrated with. And now if you have to get two throw ball lines set, that's a big time suck potentially. I wa- Dude, I watch it all the time. People get a shot that you could like, make it work with double bag and they like pull it out. It happens all the time. You watch it. Like, yeah. Oh, double bag. I've showed you this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I remember being shown it a bunch and it didn't really click with me until like, and may, it's just how I learn. I guess I was like hands on next to the dude. And he was like, here, like let's put this on here and let's pull this up. Yeah. So what double bagging is, I'm going to try to explain it over a podcast <laughs> <laughs> is, you get a shot and usually say it's higher than what you were going for. It's caught up in all this brush, right? Yeah. And if you could semi ice, I'm going to call, I'm going to say isolate, but I don't mean you're actually isolating, but you're getting the ball till it's right up against the crotch. Right. But if you went to pull it out, it would go above that crotch, hit that brush and you would lose your shot. It like whips around and jumps. Yeah. Yeah. But if you can get it to where it's rubbing, on that crotch that you want, that time point that you want, drop it to the ground, grab your other throw cube, if you have one, or borrow one, whatever, tie, attach a whole nother ball and throw line to it. Then as you pull up, and right when you get to that crotch, you let that first ball pass over, and then you drop it to the ground. And now your second one has isolated that crotch without pulling it up over that brush and totally losing it. Yeah. 
Do you think I explained it okay? I think so. <laughs> it, it's kind of hard because it makes sense to me already. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it, it made 100% sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite trick. It was the one that I was like, holy shit, my, my world has changed. It, and I use it. It's got to be like every day. Yeah. Almost every day. Yeah. And you can get lines in that much faster because you're not pulling out those shots that were almost there and you're just adding this like throw ball manipulation thing to your toolkit where you can yeah you can keep those shots that were almost there now you got it perfect where you want it throw ball manipulation is such a key uh skill to learn oh yeah you know i mean because throw ball that's one of those things you use it on every job and almost every time i'm using the throw ball Pretty much every time I'm trying to change the way it swings. Yeah. Or I'm trying to jump it over to another branch. I mean, because you get to the point where when you feel comfortable with it, you're no longer just shooting for that spot. It's like, I just need to get it up in that area. It'll hook yeah, on something, and then, and then I'll get it to where it needs to go. Yeah, which is a good tip. Always aim higher than what you're going for. A little bit, you know. Yeah. yeah I kind of focus on something a little higher than the crotch I want. Yeah. <laughs> and when selecting an angle that I'm shooting at, I try to set it up so there's multiple things it could hit. Oh, nice. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because then, and you kind of figure out which, like, if it hits this one, then I'm going to use this swinging trick. If it hits that one, maybe I'm going to have to kind of flip it over to it. Yeah. You know, so kind of, you can kind of shoot in the direction of three or four shots, especially when you're going way up there and it's not as accurate. Yeah. That way, if you miss, maybe you're going to hit something you can work with. Yeah, I've always thought, like, what makes a good climber is obviously, I mean, fitness. I mean, you know, yeah, it's a tough job. You got to be, well, maybe that's not even the most important thing. What I, what I've thought in the past is being good at throw ball, basically being good at setting your line and route planning, being able to yeah. see that from the ground and, and execute it. Man, that's one that I've been needing to work on. I got so frustrated with a pin oak the, like yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And it <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't hard. even a big one, but it was just the routes I could use because of how thick it was. And then I got up there, and there was just this giant freaking raccoon dumping spot. Oh, no. And so I was like, well, I can't. I'm not dragging my rope through that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it just changed everything. And then I was in this, like, thick pin oak tree, and it was just so frustrating. Yeah. It, like Those are hard. Yeah. You got to prune on the way up. Yeah, and I that's what I did. Yeah. Like, I had a clear shot to get everything down, but it was just part of what it was with that tree is there was so much storm damage where it was kind of broken and leaning on another, you know, kind of. But it was a storm that was like five or six years ago, so it was all compartmentalizing over. So it's like these branches don't need to be removed, but the structure was just jacked. Yeah. And it was just on top of each other, and it's like if, you know – you don't want to thin it out so much that it's just these branches that have had lion tailed. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, there's no way to make it look good, <laughs> which then morally just crushes you. Yeah. You're like, I'm putting all this work in and it looks like crap. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yeah, they're fun. Yeah. These things happen. But yeah, so two ropes I only use when it's advantageous, but I probably see those advantages pretty often yeah you know? uh, oh yeah I, I look for comfort yeah so i'm like well if i throw into that that's gonna make this way more comfortable i do it you know yeah or less sketchy like 
mitigate swing factors. Like there's all sorts of benefits to having two tie-ins. Yeah. And, but if you had to do it for everything, <laughs> yeah, little, you trees. know, if that comes, uh, I'll do it. I'm yeah. on board. No, hundred yeah. percent. That's how it goes. Yeah. You know, but, but yeah, little trees, little trees, yeah. <laughs> you know, where you're like, there's only really a couple good tie-in spots or yeah. like, you know, like a sweet gum where it just goes off and it just little branches coming off. Yeah. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah. It's, it's going to be easier to lanyard in every time I use a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. But, but another point i got excited about with that uh black oak that i was talking about that went over the roof had two tie-ins and was like tip tie rigging over to that uh the pine so with tip tie rigging do you always find it weird like deciding what kind of cut to do yeah there's a decision to be made for sure mm -hmm. what's like it's kind of hard to say what's the go-to because it's always different, right? So tip, are you talking about a tip tie and you're trying to get something to move? Yeah. Like swing over or pull yeah. up? Not like, or yeah, not a static tip tie where you're just lifting it to the block and it's no. straight up and down and comes off, but you're trying to move it somewhere. So say, the branch is at a 45 degree angle or more. Yeah. Here's a good example. So you remove two conifers, right? One stays as your rigging point, and now you're going to rig the wood over to the other one with, like, a tip tie. Okay. I usually I usually do a face cut. Yeah. You know, uh, just in the direction that either it's getting pulled or I want it to move. Yeah. And uh, then there is so many different approaches depending on the angle and what you're trying to get it to do that it's hard to just sum it up in one thing. But if you, if you got a branch that's way extended out and you're tip tying it and it's, you know, kind of leaning to one side and you're like, Oh, from where it's tip tied, if I put a face cut in the direction I want it to go, you know, I could get this giant thing to rotate like those Oak, that Oak removal we did in the parking lot by the pool that pool and we were swinging those big chunks over <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was that was on the verge of crazy like right over the truck <laughs> but it worked great yeah yeah and so it's all about putting the face cut because think about you know i mean the ideal thing to do would be as if you could actually put a face cut and then screw a hinge onto it in those situations. Oh yeah. And there might be something to that. I've never, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to even try it. You know what I mean? But if it was a big, big piece, yeah. you know, if you actually screwed a hinge on it, put a face cut in the direction, <laughs> you could make that cut and then you could manipulate it however you wanted, yeah. knowing that that butt's not going to kick off. Cause that's the danger. Yeah. The danger is if that, butt, if you're holding wood breaks and it, comes and like spears back in towards you. Now, usually the butt's dropping as it's spearing. So it, you know, but on those big ones, that's what I worry about. Yeah. So you, you make that face cut and then you leave a lot of holding wood and I leave the more holding wood on the top side of the face cut from where, you know, gravity is pulling. Okay. So as you cut it, cause you want, you don't want the top part to break first. You know, you want the bottom part to more likely to break. And that kind of holds it on there longer. Cause, but if you, you know, if you leave too much holding wood, it's just not going to go. 
Yeah, are you talking about like balance ties, swinging stuff? Yeah, yeah. But, but when you're not balancing it, when you just got the tip tie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, balance tie swinging is awesome. I do yeah. it all the time. Yeah, I need to. But I need to use that spider leg more often doing stuff like that. Yeah, I, I don't really pull that out too often. Neither but do you I. Just kind of over repetition and and yeah, like if you have a tree that's wide you know, in the open, you're not going to harm anything. Practice this stuff. That's like the best yeah. time to do it. If, if, and, you know, if yeah. the bid's good and everything. And on can, little stuff. Yeah, little Cause, stuff. Because it's all the same principles. It's just the scale gets bigger. The scale of how awesome it is, the scale of the giant piece that you're moving, yeah. and the scale of how bad it can go wrong if it goes wrong. Yeah. Beck and I did a cherry pruning the other day, and, you know, it was pretty technical. And again, fun size. Yeah. It wasn't a removal, just a, we were removing a big lead that went over the house. And I had Becca climb it, <clears throat> and we rigged. And there were, you know, there's always, what are the, what's the, there's so many ways to wash an elephant or something like that. Yeah. Skin a cat. <laughs> skin a cat, yeah. <laughs> a lot of ways to skin a cat. So there's all these options, but we were just, I was using it as a training for her, like, okay, let's let's tip tie this one. Yeah. And let's talk about how that goes. Let's uh balance tie and swing this one over and we'll talk about how that goes. And then at one point it was like one of the last cuts. There was like this lateral piece of wood and it wasn't bit, you know, like six inch diameter or something, you know. Yeah. Four feet, like and I had her guess where the where the middle was. I was like, I want you to balance it. Like, try to guess where yeah. the middle was. You know, that stuff's fun. Like, dude, we, that's really that's we're awesome. still getting it done. The pieces are getting to the ground or yeah. whatever. We're still getting it done. And you know, the that's one of the side effects of the center, the communication system. Yeah, it makes it easier to have those conversations. Back before that, you're you know, there's production, there's chainsaws, there's potentially chippers. Yeah. But when you got that communication in your ear, you guys can just, you know, we, we just have a conversation like you and me are right now. Yeah. God. Yeah, I've been realizing lately how much of a bummer it is when there is no Senna. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've gotten so accustomed to it. Yeah. And I, I don't like raising my voice. I'm not good at it. So people yeah. don't hear me. So then I really have to try. And then I just, even if I don't sound angry, it, it just... To me, it puts that vibe out there that I'm yelling. It's weird. I, I think that's partially why I'm so loud. Yeah. Anybody <laughs> yeah, that knows me, I just have a really loud voice naturally. Yeah. And I think it's because, you know, for, I think it's 23 years now. I can't remember. I think it was September 9, some, sometime towards the end of September is when I started. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was this last September I became 23. So for the vast majority of that, all but four, five years. Yeah. It was me. It was yelling. Yeah. And so yelling. if you're in the top of a hundred foot tree and you need to communicate, yeah. you're just yelling, but you're trying to do it in a way. I was always consciously trying not to be angry. Yeah. But I think when you're just talking real loud, you like train your voice to be, you know, those yeah. muscles get strong. Yeah. I'm six years into the profession and probably two years in, I got a Senna. So, yeah, so (laughs) you never really had to holler. And the other thing that the Senate, like when it's stormy season, some of the most lonely moments I've felt is if I'm on a, like 120 feet up a fur pole, just sent the top out and it just starts dumping freezing rain or hail on you. 
and you're you don't you're not talking to anybody you can't yeah. communicate because you know <laughs> hail on a helmet <laughs> yeah and you're just up there like son of a fucking bitch and the wind's <laughs> blowing and you know you see the crew all like huddled under something and you're just up there by yourself yeah. you know no one to talk to no senna oh god but there's something awesome about that too yeah it's it's one of those moments you know yeah but back to the the fun size oak yeah so i was playing with the tip tie cuts cuz it's something i i always wanted to figure out like what's the what's the best cut for this situation and so what it was was a a piece of brush you know pretty close to the roof so i was having our buddy dakota he was running ropes for me yeah i was having him pre-tension one so they were coming off pretty static they weren't dropping much you know i could just cut straight through the back and it would be fine but what i did was did i think it's called a shelf cut when you do like a crane pick where it's not quite a v cut like yeah. if you've seen those v cuts on like crane picks totally. what i did was almost come in so the pines in front of a flat cut coming in the front and then did like a diagonal cut in the back to kind of protect you was that yeah the idea? protect me yeah from any from yeah. if it wanted to flip that's up, a good maybe move. it would get away from me and it just it came off so nice yeah yeah that's a great i think move. i did it twice on tip tie and brush out of that tree it so you fun. did the front undercut first basically and then like a back angle cut yeah. second yeah it's kind of cool and yeah. i've also thought that you could almost do the v cut say you had a grcs at the base of that pine and you could do like your v cut and they could tension it and kind of pull it up and out of that instead of it like totally that would add a lot of control yeah i mean again it depends on the it, size and the like situation all like in that you start saying it and i just start visualizing the perfect situation yeah. you know but but yeah i maybe i'm picking up what you're putting down the the point is play with that stuff on the fun size trees that yeah you know you're still getting shit done you're working hard getting stuff done you're just playing with how you're cutting in, in a safe way. Uh, I yeah. Don't, yeah. No, I, I 100%. <laughs> no, but that's true. And that was something I wanted when we talked to Kevin, I wanted to get into a little bit is the experimentation. You know, a lot of the evolution comes from experimentation, whether it's in climbing or rigging or anything we do, you think of something that you hadn't thought of before. And you're like, I wonder if I could make that work. But the, there's a danger to the experimentation. So, you know, you have to kind of learn. And as arborists, we are very good at uh, managing risk. So I think it comes naturally to us. But it's it's a skill you have to use when experimenting. You have to be able to think it through and be like, all right, is this, you know, you start small. You do it in, on yeah. small scales. If it works on small scales, you get a little bit bigger with it and, you know. Yeah. So the it's, ideas of the cuts I were doing were already there. Like yeah. people do it with crane jobs or whatever. Yeah. And my goal with rigging is to make everything as static as possible. Yeah. Like you don't. The In only control time of every movement. The only time we're dynamic loading is if we're negative rigging. Like obviously yeah. we're dynamic loading when we're rigging, but the goal should be to keep things static. Or, or be like, understand that there's, you know, there's exceptions to every rule. Keep things static, but there are going to be those, you know, like when you're balancing, balance rigging something and you're swinging it over, you yeah, know, there might be a point where like that butt drops and then it kind of, you know, 
catches it. Yeah, but ideally, you, you're able to swing it and like and have that spider dynamic, leg on it so idea. that it doesn't have that all of a sudden shift. No, yeah, and that's why I need to use that spider and leg more. So I remember when I first started rigging, you would kind of like I would just face stuff and drop stuff into the system, like I would yeah. just fall into the system. Now. If you can, you almost face it away so that it starts loading the system as it swings over. Yeah, you're right? you're working with the energy. Yeah, so stuff that that's the point I'm trying to make. You're trying yeah. to keep it's dynamic rigging, yes, but you're trying to keep it as static as possible. As, definitely, you don't want to just drop shit. Yeah, with slack in the rope and onto your system. And yeah, you don't need to test a, your gear. Have every a rigging time. point <laughs> failure or wear your stuff out prematurely. Yeah, so that's kind of why I was playing with those tip tie cuts because. It's uh, sometimes it gets weird. Yeah, like especially like tip tying wood over to another tree. I've had like face cuts that say like the hinge doesn't break all the way, and then it's like right there, and you're worried about that butt kicking back or whatever. Yeah, you know, I've always thought there was a better way, and I've almost wondered. So like that shelf cut I was talking about, how it was flat. Maybe you do like a slight angle on the front, and then your diagonal on the back. And then they crank it up on the GRCS, so, so it comes out and over. When it's going over to the other pick and then swinging away? Let's let's talk about a chunk of wood swinging over to a rigging point. Yeah, so you're... So a slight angle on the front Yeah. toward your rigging point. So the front, I'm saying, is toward the rigging totally. point. Totally. But you'd want an angle like this on it. A slight one on the front. like. So when I say like less this... Less than 45. In the direction it's going to swing. Yeah. Yeah. And then the back cut's a steeper one. Yeah. And then they crank the GRCS or whatever, which lifts it up and out of that. Now, do you think that it would pivot on that? Because if they're, you know what I mean? If you cut it like this, there's going to, you think it would pivot and give it a swing or anything funny? And it would depend on how you, excuse me, depend on how you tie it off and if there's a lean either way. And how on point you're, like, how good as, uh, judging the direction that cut is. Yeah. That if the cut was off to the side, I think it would kind of roll it off a little bit potentially. Yeah. So if you, so tying off wood, we do like a half hitch and a running bowling, right? That's kind of the, the standard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not, is it a half hitch? Yeah. What's, it's a half it? hitch around the trunk. Yeah. And, and then you could go to a running bowling or I've been also played with the daisy chain. Right. But you, so it, where that half hitch is, if I'm tip tying, it's on. Okay, so again, I'm going to say where the rigging point is, is the front side of the piece. Mm-hmm. My half hitch and where the rope goes up to the rigging point is on the back side of the piece. Yeah. So it's going to tilt away from It's going to pull it over. You've done crane jobs. Mm-hmm. I've only done a couple, but from what I've heard is where that bite is, the piece is just will tilt a little bit that way. Like no Definitely. matter what, how balanced, you know. Yeah, unless you do like a basket or, cut or a basket basket tie. Right. Yeah. But if you just have like one choker chain, one one point there, yeah, right, it's going to tilt that way. Yeah. So that's my thought with rigging and having that half hitch. I'll, I'll set stuff up to where that half hitch is aiding where it's going to go. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how you do that is with that half inch the other thing i've done is uh instead of doing like a running bowling and then a half inch i just do two wraps and then tie it off and just snug it real tight 
for a crane thing uh, or just for rigging i don't know about with a, a crane just two wraps yeah a crane i've done you, you you know with the steel cable they give you you know but you just do one wrap with uh when, with those but when rigging you know instead of with your rope doing uh running bowling then a half hitch and have that half hitch on the backside. I've done it where it was just two wraps around and tied it. That's how I used to always do it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Never had any issue with it running off or anything. It doesn't, sp- like, spin? Where do you tie the bowl into? Well, I guess I would just uh, tie it in a way where it was always had, had tension on the bowling. Huh. Nice. Yeah, tie it to itself. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I don't, you know, I mean, nowadays I always do the half hitch. But for a long time, whenever rigging chunks, it's just the two wraps. Yeah. You know, like when you're negative block rigging. Yeah. My theory on that cut, I haven't tested it. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is just us, you know, half talking experience, but also talking a lot of theory. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the, uh, yeah. If you're sticking through all that and then the wrap ropes around here like this yeah, and then over that, and then it's going to, then you cut at a 45 degree on this side. Yeah. Everyone's right there with us. They've got it all figured out. Yeah. Uh, if you're still here, we appreciate you, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, no, it'll be fun tomorrow going through the, uh, playing with the double rope. Not the doubled rope, but the double rope mm-hmm. system. And then uh, the rigging. The, so that's the front yard. And then the backyard, there's a big fir right above this oak. The whole thing's a hill. And it'll be interesting. We're removing the, like, three lowest whorls on this fir. Yeah. And it'll be interesting if we'll be able to zip line them, A, to get them closer to the street or how we're going to want to rig them down. It'll probably just be a basic. I'm, I'm kind of wondering though, if we set a line really high in the fir tree and have that be the speed line, we might be able to zip line them uphill. Zip line them or, or up the hill, not like up a zip line. Oh, okay. You know, because the zip line would sag way down to where, to where they're being cut. Yeah. You cut them all and then tighten up that rope, and it'll pull it way up and ho- and zip line it to the street if we can get Sweet. it high enough. If there's enough fur. lift, yeah, totally work. Yeah. Could be kind of fun to do that too. Cool, yeah, that'll be fun. Well, uh, if it works out, yeah, you know, it was a while ago that I yeah. bit it. I'll try to pull the phone out and take. Yeah, you should bring the GoPro and videos and stuff. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, we can we can try to get a good shot of the double bagging technique. Oh yeah, and then if we end up being able to do a zipline, we'll do a cool zipline yeah. shot. Double baggins is Bilbo's cousin. Yeah, double baggins <laughs> slash <laughs> double baggins, <laughs> double baggins <laughs> and double rope. <laughs> oh, right on. Cool. Well, uh, that's an attempt at a little uh, extra cut. Yeah. little hanging out. Usually when we do our episodes, we hang out and we just bullshit a little bit before, a little bit after. And if you guys like this, uh, give us a heads up, tell us, and we'll do it again. Yeah, and I hope you understand everything we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if not, just stop listening. <laughs>